It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment of Inside Sources. On the first Wednesday of November, I told you it was going to come, and it did. And you're out there making positive things happen in your world, in your community, with the people you care about, and that is what keeps America rolling forward. And we have to remember that. While we have some uncertainty in a number of things as it relates to elections and the balance of power, uh, we need to remember that it is uh, about the people first, last, and always. And uh, we do have some uh, additional results coming in. Uh, in the state of Maine, uh, the incumbent, uh, Senator Susan Collins, has just been declared the victor there. She got over the 50% threshold, so no runoff uh, required there in Maine. And so that uh, makes it a little more certain that the uh, Republicans will maintain control of the Senate. Uh, you still have the race in North Carolina that is very close. Uh, Tom Tillis is expected to hold on there. Uh, then you also have a runoff in the state of Georgia, uh, where current Senator Loeffler uh, is likely to win uh, fairly easily. But that won't happen until January 5th. So we've got a little bit of a, a wait there in terms of that balance of power. And then uh, still up in the air is the state of Michigan. Uh, the Republicans might actually turn a seat there. Uh, the Democrats had to pick up four seats in order to, to flip the Senate into the, to uh, their majority. So it looks like uh, we are on a path towards divided government once again in the United States of America. And as we were talking earlier, the uh, often the elections result in a mandate. Uh, the voters speak and they pass the baton to a leader that they trust or that they have hope in. And typically that comes with a, a mandate to do something, to to make life a little better, to improve the economy or health care or whatever it may be. And as I look at it this year, and as I've watched this over the last uh, 36 hours, there there is a mandate. There actually is a mandate. Now, some people say, well, wait a minute, there's, there's clearly not a mandate for President Trump. Uh, he's going to have to really run an inside straight to get to victory. Uh, and Joe Biden appears to be poised to win. Uh, but in doing so, it's going to be by the razor slimmest of margins. So how can you say he has a mandate? And so what I'm here to tell you today is that the mandate is not for elected officials. The mandate is for we the people. And it's that we have to get better at all of this. If you look at the electoral map and you see where the votes came in, uh, very clear that the Democrats uh, owned the coasts, the West Coast, the East Coast, the Upper Northeast. Uh, that That is all that territory. The, the middle of the country is clearly where Republicans are strongest. Uh, and so there is this divided country in terms of how these votes play out. I actually don't think we're all that divided, uh, not nearly what we uh, tend to hear from our uh, political leaders uh, or from a lot of the national media. Uh, I just don't buy it. I don't believe it. And so the mandate, what the mandate becomes is, okay, we just have to get better at this then. We need our institutions to stand up 
and to function the way they're supposed to. We need the United States Senate to function. We need the House of Representatives to to function, to have real debates in front of the American people, to have a real amendment process to legislation. Why? So that we can do the mandate because the mandate is we're different and we value the differences. The American people are so okay with divided government because all of us deal deal with the complexities of that every day in our lives, Uh, whether it's in our relationships at home, whether it's in our relationships at work, we work across our differences. We remove wedges. We solve problems. We innovate. We iterate. We step forward. We take a few steps back. We have challenges, but we always go forward. And so the the mandate is clear to me that this is a we the people mandate. This is not a Washington mandate. This is not a mandate for the president or for the governor or for anybody else. The mandate is we the people. And we need to get better at recognizing we're the ones who actually need to put these solutions forward. We're the ones who actually have to show the way. The politicians will follow, I guarantee it. But we have to be willing to do that. So what we cannot do today, the mandate today, is that we cannot step back, throw up our hands and say, see, the country's just so divided we can't get anything done. Because those in power, uh, that's exactly what they hope we all do today on this first Wednesday, is they really do hope that we step back and disengage and just let them go about their stuff. Uh, Because that maintains the status quo for all sides of the political spectrum. Uh, Those in power will stay in power. And those that are uh, driving their own agendas will drive their own agendas. So our mandate is to expect more, not less. Our mandate is to recognize that what leads us, what leads us is way more important than who leads us. So what are the principles? What's the character? What's the courage? What's the faith uh, that's actually going to help us all come together? And to me, that's the ultimate mandate because it's actually the mandate of freedom. The mandate of freedom is that we're all in this together, that we're going to link and lock arms, that we're going to stand shoulder to shoulder to solve problems, work out disagreements, work on competing visions, and figure out a better way to get things done. And that's the test. You know, I was thinking very late last night, it was actually probably earlier this morning, uh, of something that took... uh, place back in 1893. In uh, 1893, we know there's a lot of renovation going on in the Salt Lake Temple here in downtown Salt Lake City. And uh, that building was dedicated in 1893. And of course, that's a uh, an opportunity. It's a religious moment uh, for members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And And a prayer was offered. So you would and you would expect that. But the interesting thing to me is there is a portion of that prayer from 1893 uh, that is just fascinating to me. It's fascinating that in this remote place out in the American West, uh, Wilford Woodruff, who was the president of the church at the time, uh, in the middle of this prayer of dedication of a temple for the church, uh, that he focused on politics. And he he said something very interesting in the end. He said, you know, uh, we really need to, to have mercy and forgiveness. And then he said, we need to enable the people 
to avoid bitterness and strife and to refrain from words and acts in political discussions that shall create ill feeling and grieve the spirit. So I just found that absolutely fascinating uh, that in 1893, uh, in a prayer for a temple dedication, uh, there were words about politics, that the people had divided themselves along the two political lines and that it had generated a lot of ill feelings back and forth. Uh, and so that's the test. We need to avoid the bitterness and refrain from words and acts in political discussion uh, that are not helpful. To me, that is the mandate of the first Wednesday of November. It's up to us, we the people. What leads us is more important than who. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us today. And as always, see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something today that makes a difference. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.